Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of the Sunfire Tavern podcast. This is our podcast for gamers and geeks, where we talk about everything going on in the games industry, movies, and TV. Pull up a chair each week and join me, Ollie, and my co-host Clark, as we discuss the hot topics from the last few days. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sunfire Tavern, and listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Oh, and email us with your questions at sunfiretavern at gmail.com. So, Clark, how are you doing, buddy? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's, uh, it's, what's, what's, the, what's the date today? It's the 20, 22nd of March, you know? Could um, be. I have no idea. Like, time has lost all meaning. Yeah. I literally yeah, spent time. most of the day on the sofa today because I, I woke up with a, like, you know you know that feeling when you've just had the flu and you feel exhausted? Mm, I haven't mm, had the mm. flu, but I'm having, like, the post-symptoms of flu. Oh, okay. So I just, <laughs> yeah, I just had a day where I've been blasted on the sofa. Oh. Well, which has been fun. Huh. Perfect time for video games, though. Well, it's been a perfect time for video games for the last year now. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, I mean, we're past the uh, what's it, the year anniversary, right? Yeah, it's, of, it's uh... literally like today, isn't it, or this week sometime? Oh, well, there you go. Is that the twenty? Was it the twenty third or the twenty fifth? Was the anniversary? Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure on what the exact date is, but well, you yeah. know, it's time to put the COVID tree up and get the COVID decorations out. Yeah, exactly. Happy yep, yep, COVID anniversary. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, bump elbows underneath a COVID mistletoe. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, exactly. stand stand twenty feet away from each other while you don't kiss. Exactly. Keep exactly. Mess up. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a you know lovely time. We're going to be celebrating this for years to come. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. But how's, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been good, man. Um, just been playing a lot of different video games. You know the usual. Um, and yeah, like work's been pretty standard as well like everything's good man <laughs> life is so exciting right now isn't it exactly right i mean next week hopefully you know we've got 20 like on the 29th in the uk we they're, they're easing some lockdown rules so that people could you can meet with people outside in uh, as long as it's six people or less so you know i've got a lot of people a lot of my friends are trying to organize picnics and all of these things to have you know eat out in parks i'm sure the rest mm. of the population in, is but yeah, I mean, that'll be cool to have some social interaction, you know, see, see some people again. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see people again. I mm. forgot what people were. Uh, but we should do that yeah. podcast thing that we do. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, let's that podcast thing. Well, yeah. let's, let's go over the agenda topics that we've got this week. So uh, we've got, obviously, the usual what we've been playing and watching. We're going to discuss um, video game music in the 90s and today, uh, the ultimate video game soundtrack. We're talk- we talking about Grant Kirkhope and his legacy of music. And, oh god, so many good tracks. Um, <laughs> and then we're talking about uh, the Square Enix Presents Expo, and then if we've got some time, maybe do some trivia at the end. But yeah, so Clark, what have you been playing? We've been we've been watching. We've been playing. Well, I've been back on my emulator. So I mean, one of the things because we're going to talk about Grant Kirkhope in a bit. Um, I actually went back and played a bit of Banjo Kazooie on mm. the N64. That game slaps now as hard as it does, like compared to when it came out as well. Like it's still good. Um, mm-hmm. It's still fun. Like the platforming is solid. The music is just outstanding. Um, it's one of the reasons why he's like one of my musical heroes because um, it's just perfect. Like as soon as you get to Freeze Easy Peak, um, the piece of music <laughs> that plays there is so good. Uh, it's just such a wonderful game. So I've been playing a bit of that. Um, I've been playing still on that 3DS emulator as well because you know apparently that's my life now. Uh, <laughs> going through the Fire Emblems, which is a, a bigger experience than I thought it was going to be. Oh wow! They are big games. <laughs> Yeah, that long. Yeah, long, long and complex, and mm. th- I mean, yeah, they're they're very like anime tropey and stuff. But really enjoying them. Like I've never played them before, so the the only experience I've ever had with Fire Emblem was the Warriors game and Smash Brothers. Mm. Um, but then otherwise, um, I haven't really been playing much else. Like I've not been playing much PlayStation or uh, or Switch. It's mainly just been the emulator and a little bit of Fortnite and some Heroes of the Storm again. And I also finished my Marvel rewatch completely. So I got through to Ooh, so I, I pretty nice. much did back to back Infinity War and uh, Endgame. And the impact of those movies is way bigger once you've watched the whole thing in a row. Because everything makes more sense. Like all those yeah. characters mean something to you. Uh, the impact of what Thanos is doing is is really big, um, and like the, the relationship he has with his daughters as well, um, Nebula and uh, not Garrosh. Garrosh is a character from World of Warcraft. <laughs> What's her name? Gamora. Nebula and Gamora. Gamora. Yeah. Um, that relationship is really interesting. Like it's it it kind of goes over multiple levels, especially when they get into the time travel part and they start crossing over universes. So 
that's effectively been my week is getting kind of catching up with that. I, I was going to watch um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, Captain Falco and the Winter Cat. Family. <laughs> uh yeah falcon of the woods yeah that one thank you yeah. um i was gonna watch that but it's it just has no interest for me at all like it looks so boring mm. but i'm probably gonna give it a chance once a few more episodes will come out apparently the first episode bit slow oh really yeah. okay what about you yeah you playing and watching uh i've been playing the usual been playing um league of legends uh the new caitlin skin came out so i've been rocking that it's been great uh people have been saying wow you spent a lot of money and i'm like yes i have um you know what else have been playing <laughs> well <observed>. playing <laughs> Yeah, I've been playing um, Tekken 7, obviously Tekken. Uh, the newest DLC character got um, revealed, uh, I think literally yesterday. Um, it is the Prime Minister of Poland, who is what? a... Is it not the actual Prime Minister of Poland, but in law, she is the Prime Minister of Poland, and she practices sort of like some form of karate. So I'm like super into it. I like, because as, as a person who plays Jin, I'm like a Jin main. Um, having another character that does karate and the fighting style looks super good two new remixes of old like tekken's soundtracks so i'm like super hyped also it comes up tomorrow which is great is that lydia so, the character yes lydia um i just googled the, it yeah yeah <laughs> no about. About. yeah she looks great um yeah. i'm super into it yeah and then um what else what else have we what have I been playing? oh i started playing everhood um it's an indie game that came out recently which is sort of like yeah, you were talking about uh, it last week yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so last week I was planning on playing it, but so I've actually started it now. I think I'm how many hours in? Let me check my Steam account. Um, doo, 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 doo. I think I'm probably around like five hours in, four, four, five hours. This in. is the, yeah, four point four hours in. Yeah, yeah, this is the rhythmy action kind of, not rhythm action, but it looks like a rhythm action game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like um, the boss fights are essentially like rhythm games where the enemies will shoot in time to the music, and there'll be like loads of like crazy, like trippy, like post-processing effects going on, and you basically have to like dodge all of the attacks and stuff. Um, Similar to Undertale. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's very much in the same vein as, as Undertale kind of thing. Um, it's very good. Uh, I've been enjoying it a lot. I'm playing it with friends, so yeah, we're all watching it together. Um, it's not, you know, I'm not as invested in the characters as, say, like something like Undertale, for example, but the gameplay has at least been pretty engaging so far. It's pretty hard, actually. Um, but yeah, probably coming up to an ending, probably, in, I assume, in like the next like two, three hours. But yeah, um, that's been good so far. I'm sure I'll have more to say on it when I finish it. But uh, yeah, that's mostly it. Oh, and also there's a new mobile slash steam game that came out which i was actually playing today called smash legends i don't think it actually came out today but it's just been released uh oh it's like came out into early access on steam recently but it's kind of like um do you ever play brawl stars by supercell the i saw it game? i wasn't into it like i played it a few times and couldn't get into that yeah yeah so it's it's kind of like a melee focused version of brawl stars so it's like team based top down kind of like smash bros style knockback when you hit things it's very basic very casual but i'll probably be playing some of that with some friends for some like dumb casual fun uh on top of like balloons tower defense as well <laughs> so yeah um that's that's uh mostly what i've been playing cool. yeah so a quiet week then yeah well, yeah quiet week yeah, not... <laughs> but then 26 <laughs> games that i played this week <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah you know um yeah so we can go into our first topic then of uh video game music in the 90s and today so yeah, it's, um, well, so so this is something that worked. Um, so when I first started playing video games, they were pretty much I mean, we're going back now to like the early nineties, late eighties, because uh, mm. you know I was born in eighty three, so I probably started playing games probably just at the end of the eighties. And this was a time when games were very basic, very simple. Um, tended to be a lot of platformers, a lot of like um, you didn't really have story based games. And the idea of having like a storyline in the game was kind of unusual. Uh, it was only when things like Final Fantasy and stuff started to land that, um, and Metal Gear Solid, for example, where the industry sort of moved forwards and started to tell stories with games and started to bring in these massive like musical scores and stuff. Up until that mm. point, we really only had um, like Nintendo to look towards for amazing video game music because the other companies hadn't quite made it yet. Uh, although the Sonic soundtrack was pretty, pretty impressive, but it wasn't anything to like write home about. Uh, and up, and it, it was when games like you know banjo kazooie like we were talking about earlier and um like, like the n64 area basically yeah pretty much yeah. like when we started to get to that area era that's when um video game music really started to kind of have an impact and really started to get noticeable um but it, it was it 
to, to me it kind of brought up this point in my head of like how different video game music is now compared to how, how it was back then because mm, um, there's a lot of soundtracks now that, that don't really land on me anymore um, and like I play these games back to front start to finish and love them like the Persona soundtrack for example is amazing because it's so funky so memorable but the, 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 there's so many games on the market and so few of them actually have impactful soundtracks and it got me thinking that um, it was the ones from the 90s and probably late 80s to end of the 90s that really stuck in my head I don't know if that's mm. just because I grew up with them or it's because the music was kind of more impactful back then I don't know like, like what's your thoughts on that so I think so to give context I I was born in 94 so <laughs> I grew up so a lot of the music from like the N64 era uh kind of those kind of soundtracks are what I grew up with so much like if you grew up with well, I'm sure you grew up with it as well but you know you also had the Mega Drive and um, yep. you know, Sonic and stuff like that, right? NES. So um, for me, obviously, a lot of the like game soundtracks that come from the N64 era, like especially Rare, Rare games, like yeah, hold rare. a very, very special place in my heart and they're extremely memorable to me. And I think like a lot of that is nostalgia, but also that like it does slap. Like you do listen to these 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 soundtracks now and you play it to people who haven't heard it before in, in the context of a video game and they're like, yeah, this is like this fits the theme, right? It like suits the genre, suits like it, it like suits you know, the story, you know, doesn't it? Like it, it yeah, yeah. It's hard to explain exactly. it because it sort of if you listen to the soundtrack to games like Banjo Kazooie, that the music tells the story. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like it shows a very talented composer, a very talented team that um, you can effectively play a game without the game being on, like cause yeah. it, it can exist in your head and, and that game can kind of populate in your mind, which it, it was always the reason that I was because I, I used to live around the corner from the rare office, by the way. Oh, so, wow. so when I grew up, I grew up in a town called the Neaton. Um, and right on the edge of my town was where our house was. And if you just went up the road and then like across uh, a dual carriageway, there was this massive mansion, which was the rare building. Oh, wow. So me and my friend, when we were like 12 or 13, we used to go and stand at the gates of the building, hoping that like someone would come down from up on high, which is this place of magic and dreams down down this road <laughs> behind this big gate. And they would come down and go, we need a, we need a kid to come and do the voice of Donkey Kong. And I'd be like, me, yeah. me, that's me, that's my job. Almost and, sounds like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly, kind of thing, exactly yeah. like that. And But it was this like, it was this place where, so these games that came out of this building were going around the world to come back to us, you know, 20 feet down the road. Mm. Um, and it, it just amazed me that, that these things were being created so close like to, to, to where I lived. We also had Codemasters at the road as well. Like, I grew up with mm. a lot of games companies from earlier days kind of springing out of where I lived. Mm. Um, and then that, that's how I kind of got into knowing about um, like Grant Kirkhope. And there was another one as well called David Wise who did some of the music for Rare. Um, mm. And it was just like, I mean, like GoldenEye, for example, the GoldenEye soundtrack. Oh, God. Every yeah. single piece of music in that game is memorable. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because it's just almost effectively elevator music that, that you shouldn't memorize. You, 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 it shouldn't stand out, but it does. Um, yeah. And it, it just amazed me that, that all this stuff was coming from a building that was like, you know, behind my back garden. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think it. like, it's, it's because it kind of like had like a unique sound in terms of like the different synths and things that they used, especially in GoldenEye. Right, you know, like you think about the facility level, and you mm. think about that, like, do, do, you know, that yeah, kind of like yeah, synth, yeah, yeah. and like yep. <laughs> you don't really hear that synth in many things. No, like, as, like I mean, I, ha- I haven't, right? And in fact, fun fact: my brother recently, who's very, he's very into his music, recently bought a um, keyboard. I think it was a Yamaha keyboard, which is supposed to be like very similar to the one, the ones that um, was used when they were like making the soundtracks for like uh, you know Goldeneye and these N sixty four era kind of games. Yeah. And he was like, he messaged me. He was like, oh, mate, message me, like, t- name me any synth or like, any song from a game, uh, like from N64, and I'll like re- replicate it kind of thing. I said, like, give me the facility sound effect. Yep. And he was like, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I knew it, right? I think, I think there was like, I watched a Q&A with Grant Kirkhope uh, at one point, and I think he did get asked a question on how he made it. I forgot what specifically he did, but there was like a process of like, you know, he had to like, um, adjust some of the sense and stuff like that but yeah well, like so the, the thing is i mean i watched a lot of stuff on how he does his process and stuff because there are quite a few interviews and stuff out there I, I met him a few times as well um at like game events and whatnot um he also did some of the music for world of warcraft for the most recent expansion oh. um I, I sort of just as i was leaving blizzard like I, I found out a little bit that he was doing some of the work on um 
what's the most recent expansion called? Shadowlands? Shadowlands? Yes, Shadowlands, yeah. Because there's Shadowlands for World of Warcraft, and then there's Shadowbringers, I think, for Final Fantasy. For Final Fantasy, yeah. So they're all shadows. Everything's about light or getting rid of light or whatever. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I learned that Grant Kirkhope was doing some of the, the music for World of Warcraft. And, and having already met Russell Brower, the, um, the composer for all the World of Warcraft music, meeting another hero is like, well, like a musical hero. It, it's mind-blowing. And getting to kind of listen to these people's processes, like, honestly, they, they could sit down and just tell me about what they would probably think is quite a boring work day and I'd be enthralled like because it just sounds so interesting mm. to listen how they like write the story into the music and how they um you know how they like make that soundtrack come to life um mm. have you ever played Viva Piñata by the way uh I've watched my housemates play it so I haven't <laughs> played it myself but there was a period of time when I was in uni that my flatmates were basically just like uh yeah, they were just playing through Viva Pinata, and I yeah. would just sit there and watch. So, so <laughs> yeah. you, I mean, you know the game's concept. It's effectively Animal Crossing, but from Rare. If Rare did yeah. Animal Crossing, yeah. With yeah. all these like really cool animals. And big... Because, again, the music to that was another Kurt Coat piece, and I think it was also by Steve Burke, I want to say. Mm. I mean, these names, I could just be making up names now, because there's so many of them. They're all like <laughs> you know, Midlanders, so they could be anyone. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the music for that as well was was just stunning. And it was these like plinky plonky kind of relaxing pieces that you were supposed to get you to just um, like relax in the world and just kind of enjoy things that were going like watching little uh, these things called fudge hogs, which I used to love the name of. It was a hedgehog mm. made out of fudge. Um, watching them just kind of like pitter about and like chew on things and whatever. And you just like build this farm or this little town thing. Um, and the music would just be in the background, just there to kind of keep you like keep you playing and keep you calm and keep you going. Um, but what I was what I was going to ask was if you could take uh, an example of like one of the most amazing soundtracks from the '90s and the most amazing soundtracks from today, like which one would you pick? Which ones? Would okay, you so from the '90s, one that I, I mean, I still listen to a lot is um, Perfect Dark. Like the Perfect Dark soundtrack, yeah. it just encompasses so many different sort of genres, so, so many different not genres of music, but like different feelings of music and like. It, it really sets the tone of like the series really well like the game like listening to that the, that music kind of like is like a huge hit of nostalgia for me but also that like you know like the the song that plays when you're in like um the villa the villa level and like you're like very far away and as you're like yep. you know slowly breaching into the compound kind of thing and then like you know because at the beginning it's like quite orchestral and quite like uh sort of like there's like a sort of not opera, but it's like the um, like someone singing essentially, right? Well, it's like not really similar to the Goldeneye soundtrack, is it? Like it's quite similar no, no, no. Style. Yeah, it's it's quite similar, yeah, in style. And then like you know, it breaks into sort of like the drum beat, you know, like the, yeah. the oh man, I miss nineties like drum beats. <laughs> like that's that that to me, I think that like I kind of define like my music tastes today as well, where it's like you know, I'm very much into like sort of you know electronic music and like things with like heavy percussion, like and a lot of the nineties like yeah, like game music had that kind of thing. But it was so, quite electronic, wasn't it? Like it was a uh, almost mm, almost like X Filesy kind of style. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Like it was so good. But I think like, that, so that, many good so tracks. I think Grant Kirkhope actually worked on the Perfect Dark soundtrack. I don't think he wrote yeah. it. I think he came in and finished it because mm. it was started by I want to say David Kleinick, but I might be wrong. I, mm. I could be getting these names wrong. And there was um, <laughs> there was another composer as well. And I can't remember his name now. It was something Norgate. Right? Great. Graham Norgate? Graham Norgate, that's yes, that's it. Yeah, it was yeah. Graham Norgate. It was those that wrote the soundtrack to Perfect Dark. Mm. Um, and again, it's these three names, or like three or four names, pop up continually in soundtracks mm -hmm. and from video games over time. Yeah. And I like some of them worked on Blast Core as well, which is one oh, of the best soundtracks. <laughs> so that funny. Game, that game is so good, and the soundtrack is amazing. Um, so that's your, your 80s and 90s game. What would you say... I from today would be a good soundtrack to pick uh, from today i like i listen to quite a lot of game soundtracks as like my background music yeah so like one of the examples of like something that's quite you know re recent i guess is like genshin impact like genshin impact soundtrack is like so bombastic in terms of like the production value because they've literally got like you know like the london philharmonic on an orchestra yep. to like do some of the music right for like the Mondstadt region which is like, supposed to be like the western region and then for like the leeway region which is supposed to be like china they've actually got like a famous like chinese orchestra to do the music for that and it's like 
so well composed and so chill to just listen to all of that music and just have one in the background while I'm like working or just like you know late night chilling with friends kind of thing. Like that, that, so that's, that game irritates the heck out of me because it's perfected every part of that genre. Mm, it's, it's like mm. it's like taken all of it. Uh, like like the so all, all of the elements of Breath of the Wild, all of the elements of an MMO and uh, things like Fantasy Star Online, distilled them into like a perfect marketing formula and yeah. and smashed out this like perfect game that yeah I won't play because there's it, it it the the level of spend in that game is is ridiculous mm-hmm. like you can spend so much money so easily without even realizing it and it's a yeah. similar problem I have with Fortnite as well. Like yeah. you can you can just infinitely spend in Fortnite and you won't realize it. Like at the moment, I want to buy the Street Fighter bundle because you oh, get yeah. uh, the Ryu and Chun Li skins. Yeah, and I'm like yeah, I'll just spend the tenner on that. And then I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to spend a tenner on that. So I've just bought the the battle pass for a tenner, and yeah. I want to buy this for a tenner. Blah, blah, blah. Like the, the money soon piles up, and suddenly you're spending hundreds of pounds on a game. Also, and... sorry, a slight aside on on Ryu and Chun Li being in Fortnite, which is also kind of crazy to me. First of all, and Master Chief, Second, yeah, and Master, yeah. So, so like. But don't you think it's crazy that like there are going to be some kids out there that are going to refer to Ryu as oh that karate guy from Fortnite? Yeah, of course. Instead, we, we were actually having this, like, we were having yeah. this exact conversation the other day. That um, so if you look at their most so the 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 reason that we started this conversation is because we looked at the most recent uh, season pass for Fortnite, mm. which is season six, I think it is. And the yeah. intro cinematic for it is the most brand heavy. Yeah, like, it's crazy. It, I mean, it's got Master Chief, Ripley, uh, the Xenomorphs. Uh, God, who else is in it? Sarah Connor, the Terminators, loads of Ryu them. Ryu is in it as well. Yeah, Ryu, was... Chun Li, um, some of the Marvel superheroes, Star Wars. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's like someone took Ready Player One and made it even more branded. Yeah, and and that that's what got us into this conversation. It's like, well, there are going to be kids playing this. They're going to be like, oh, Master Chief, that's that guy from uh, Fortnite, or even like the Mandalorian, that's that guy from Fortnite, and it's like, yeah, that's not who these people are. It's kind of weird that that's how children are going to be kind of understanding some of these characters now. Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't know how it's I feel about crazy. that. Like, I, mean, yeah. I do know how I feel about it, but I could go on forever and talk about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, back on back on back on topic. So, what are your soundtracks from the '90s and today that you would have to pick? So, I think. The first one I would go for would be a very close toss-up between Mario 64 and Banjo-Kazooie. Mm-hmm. Because those are both games that... Um, I remember the the Mario, the Mario 64 soundtrack was very unique and it, it was very orchestral and lovely and, and we weren't used to hearing that kind of music. Um, but the Banjo-Kazooie one kind of took that and then took it to the next level because it added like more layers. Um, it was more, I think, symphonic. Like it, it was just a beautiful soundtrack. And obviously, mm. it was you know by Grant Kirkhope. So at the, the time, I was like, this person lives twenty feet away from me. I could find him, <laughs> and then stand there and just adore him. Like, that, that, um, but so I would say probably those two soundtracks or uh, Final Fantasy VII. Mm. Just, I mean, I know I'm taking. I know the the question was one, but it's these three games that kind of sit like head to head for me. Yeah. They all represent different parts of what video game music should be, which is the ability to tell a story, uh, the ability to like um, purvey an emotion. Um, and really get this like feeling of you could turn the screen off and still understand what's going on in the storyline to, to some extent. So yeah, I, I would say of the, those three, the most standout one would probably be the Mario 64 one with the other two a very, very close second. Yeah. So with Mario 64. So. Uh, but modern day, um, it's a difficult one because the soundtracks now are obviously way more complex. Um, mm. But I was thinking like Life is Strange. That's a good choice, yeah. Yeah, because that, I mean, that soundtrack is, uh, it's its flawless to start with. Um, and it, even the music, the, so you've got two parts of it. You've got the musical score, and then you've got the, like, the commercial tracks in it as well. But they, mm. they, they all kind of mix together to, to really tell this, like, really hard, really heavy storyline. Um, mm. And now, obviously, because in the, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but in the, the Square Presents thing, they announced Life is Strange 3. Mm, yeah. Um, and just the the music in the trailer, I was like, okay, that's that's you know that that's the 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 secret source that they used in Life is Strange one because the second the second one was kind of pants and the spin off yeah. was kind of bad as well because uh, it sort of lost all that all that magic and then now hearing that those tracks again, I'm like, you know, the, these are the tracks and and it sort of compares. I don't know if you did you see um, Tales of the City. 
No, I didn't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? The TV series. Uh, no, I didn't even know that. Maybe oh, so, so it's um, it, it's uh, a queer cinema um, TV series that popped up on Netflix a few years ago, and mm. it's a follow-on tale from um, again a queer series from like the 80s, I want to say 80s or 90s, called Tales mm. of the City, and it's about um, this transgender woman called Anna Madrigal who uh, owns a house in San Francisco that she effectively turns into like a, a retreat for LGBTQIA plus people. So huh. anyone under the queer banner can go into this house and feel safe. And it tells this story of like her life and the pe- the lives of those people around her. And the, the music that they use in that is is almost identical to the music they use in Life is Strange, which I think is quite a queer inspired soundtrack as well. But like, mm. a lot of queer artists and whatnot. Um, and it's just that kind of thing that I, I find super amazing in games that you can take that music and, and use it to tell these stories so I'm just using um, uh, Tales of the City as an example because it's got a very similar soundtrack I'll probably say those two otherwise it would be something generic like the Final Fantasy Online game <laughs> <laughs> which probably has a lesser impact in terms of emotional impact but the music there is incredible like it, it's so well layered and so well built um, or World of Warcraft maybe I think the World of Warcraft soundtrack is good as well yeah, uh, but I, I mean, I'm a video game music nut, as you are. So there's a million <laughs> one things to choose from there. Yeah, there's so many different choices you could you, you could um, pick from from you know for video game music. Like, and obviously, different things are gonna be different. You know, different ones that you pick are gonna mean a lot to some people and less to others. When depending on how like emotionally attached you are to those things as yeah, well, it, right? Like, yeah, it, it depends on your situation in life at the time of kind of taking that music on as well. Because mm. everyone attaches emotions emotions to music, and you tend to when you hear that piece of music again, you sort of re-experience that emotion. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. my parents were going through divorce and stuff when I was playing Final Fantasy VII, so that game has that impact on me. Mm. Um, so it makes me feel that again. And you know, there, there was like um, life. So life is strange to go back to that one. Sorry, um, it was when I was with my long-term partner. And we played that together, and that game. Every time I play that game now, it reminds me of like how happy I was at that time, and yet mm. also how happy I am to be away from that relationship as well. <laughs> oh, wow! Because that that was, that was a destructive relationship. We're not, we're not here to talk about relationships. That can be for the the second podcast that we do. Oh boy! Be, uh... <laughs> <laughs> the Sunfire Feelings podcast. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, which doesn't exist. Deep, I'm not doing deep chats. Yeah, <laughs> not yet anyway. But um, anyway, so I guess that can kind of segue into the next topic you've got down here, which is the ultimate video game soundtrack so is this is this you posing the question of what won't if we had to pick what is the ultimate video game soundtrack what yeah would it be? so it's it's pretty much looking at every game that has ever been created not obviously not all the games because we haven't played the ball between us but looking at the game that that you would give a a 10 out of 10 for every element of the music which is the ability to tell a story um oh, you know the emotional impact the the complexity of the soundtrack, the the variety, like it's 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 picking that one game that you would use to give to someone that's never played a video game before, and just say, this music is why games are amazing at the moment, or like mm. you know, give the perfect example. And I've been thinking since I wrote this point, and I still can't come up with it. I have so a very many. cliche. I, there are so many, mm. but I have a very cliche answer, uh, and I think the one for you that said that triggered this is when you said variety okay um and for me it's uh it's probably undertale i gotta be honest like in terms of like sound like the music that has like produces such like it's the thing that carries the game Mm. right that like if undertale's soundtrack was not as good as it was if toby fox's what he did with the soundtrack was not as good as it was i don't think undertale would nearly be as big of a thing in very the true. sort of like video games like guys as it is like yeah, very very you know, true it's full of so many different tracks that like you know like character themes it's full of like you know like town tracks that are memorable and like really evoke an emotion of feeling like you know the you know the sort of like sort of quiet speakeasy you know like um speakeasy is not the right word but sort of like peaceful docile like jazz like, lounge or whatever yeah, yeah you or mean, like, like like, like in snowden town right you know it's, like, it's very peaceful it's very like you know calm it shows like everyone's friendly everyone's like warm and cozy you know it's kind of like wintery themed and then you compare that to like the hotlands and it's like you know you've got like the sort of like 
bombastic kind of like drums stuff like that and it's all done with like not not with like orchestras and stuff like that but just like you know really basic things and then you know you've got the variety of music like the battle themes and stuff like that it's all megalovania which is i mean of course right yeah, yeah. like you know yeah, everyone knows megalovania <laughs> now everyone memes it like it's interesting because megalovania is a track that most people have heard but don't know where it's from exactly or they've yeah. never played the game that it's from because it's just such a an, so you know uh toby fox as well did did a piece of music for the pokemon game Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was it was the battle theme for the battle tower in Sword and Shield, mm. uh, and you immediately could hear the difference between that and the other tracks in the game, and, and yeah. you hear it, and you're like, this could effectively be like a, an excerpt from Megalovania because it's it's that style. And he's mm. another composer that just came came out of sort of nowhere, and then suddenly he was creating these really unique sounding pieces. Mm. So, um, so, sorry, I mean, we can talk about to- with Toby Fox, right? So like, I knew about toby fox because i used to read this um web comic called homestuck which yep. was also very big in, in sort of like you know uh, internet zeitgeist for a while um but yeah like he basically did a lot of the tracks for that and i didn't know his name at the time or that but i remember hearing the tracks for some of these things in the web comic and i was like this music is amazing and then playing undertale then not even realizing that he was you know, this person who composed all this music also wrote the game and did all the music for it it was like what the hell? Like, I, and then when I heard the other thing is that like Megalovania actually existed before Undertale. It's kind of like his like swan song kind of thing, mm. you know, like his like Toby Fox's like uh, song that he puts into like you know he put it in like his like um, the mother his mo- sort of like mother remix. Yeah, it was Earthbound like twenty twelve, and I miss you. Earthbound, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and then, again, like, and then big fan of Toby Fox. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and then put it into Homestuck stuff like that. Mm. So when I heard Megalovania for the second time, I was like, what? <laughs> kind of thing. I was like, oh, why is this Homestuck song in this game? And I was like, oh, right, because it's Toby Fox. But yeah, well, I didn't know his name at the time right, when I was playing the game. But yeah, so I guess that would probably be my one for like ultimate video game soundtrack, just off the top of my head. But yeah, that's yeah, a good choice. Mm. Um, I don't know where to go on this one because that. I mean, I I could go to something like so. Final Fantasy VIII is one of those games to me where. Uh, it's it's kind of a, a, the lesser known of the the big Final Fantasy games. I mean, everyone's heard oh. of it, but very few people have actually played Final Fantasy VIII because most people played seven, mm-hmm. and then they moved on to other games. But so eight has this um, incredible soundtrack that it just gets more and more complex as the, as the game goes on because the storyline to that game gets bonkers. You, yeah, you, you know the storyline. Oh, uh, eight. Compre- yeah. No, I do not know. The okay, so it's about a witch from the future that wants to possess a witch a witch from the past present and future all at the same time with uh, varying forms of the same consciousness so that she can roll all of time at the same time and she then wants to compress time all together into one moment uh, okay it's very weird and it yeah. sort of falls off near the end because it gets a bit too confusing mm. um, and you never really know if the main character is dead all along or whatever because no one's ever really confirmed that because um, he there's this moment at the end of disc one which is where one of the, the best piece of music is used which is Adia's theme um, mm. she picks up this, like, well, she creates this big uh, icicle in the air and then impales him with it. And right. then suddenly he wakes up in a prison and he, there's no wound and the game just carries on. And that made everyone think, well, is he actually dead? And is the rest of the game him dealing with death and, and making his way through the afterlife? Because the game gets very, like, symbolic and stuff after that point. Yeah. And the music uh, changes quite dramatically as well because it goes from this um, quite positive, but uh, I, I wouldn't say positive, but quite, like, punchy, boomy, like, wartime kind of music, to suddenly right. it goes very mystical and very dark. And it, and, and the, the game sort of uses the music very well to tell that story. Um, so I would probably say Final Fantasy VIII is a really good example, but if I'm to cheat, I would say the best game to go to for, uh, for any example of music is Smash Brothers. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because it has uh, all that's of them. A, Yeah, that's a bit of a cheat. <laughs> that is a cheat. But... <laughs> I'll give it to you. Yeah, I mean, Smash Bros. soundtrack is obviously insane in terms of like the variety of tracks. I mean, how many how many tracks was it now? Thousand and twenty was it? You said something along those lines. Yeah, over a thousand. I would I would hazard a guess that every video game composer from the last twenty or thirty years has probably had some involvement with the soundtrack in that game. Yeah, in some way, shape, or form. Like they may not be credited for it, but I reckon anyone that's written a piece of music for any video game that has launched in the last 30 years will be on that soundtrack somewhere mm. i mean kirk mm. hope's on there um toby fox is on it yeah. um god who else is on it david wise um 
I'm trying to think about Nobuo Matsu, who, by the way, we haven't mentioned Nobuo Matsu yet, but um, you, you know him. Uh, I do not know him. So he's the composer for all of the Final Fantasy games. Oh, right. He is, yeah. like, a legend incarnate, this guy is. Um, yeah. He used to show up to... So Final Fantasy used to do these shows called Distant Worlds back in the you know the before times, before the world ended. Um, mm -hmm. Every year or two years, they do this Distant World show where they... They travel around the world, take the orchestra from that city. So when they did it in London, it was the Philharmonic. They did it in Paris. It was like the Parisian, whatever it was called, orchestra. And they just play the tracks from the game. And you're effectively just listening to a CD, um, but with a live orchestra. Because, you know, they're, they're playing the music that you love. And um, Nobuo Matsu occasionally would show up. So he'd just like stand up in the audience and you realize you're sitting next to him or you're sitting like two oh. or three like rows away from him. And he always wears like white sneakers, but a suit. So wow. he's he's just this but a few years back I think maybe 5 or 6 years ago he was reported being like super ill like mm. the scary kind of ill oh, okay. um and no one's heard anything since so no one knows what's actually going on there and it'd be really sad to lose someone who when well, it's sad to lose anyone but it's sad to lose anyone who's got that level of impact on music mm, um because he he's pretty much the soundtrack to my video games growing up yeah um so I would say anything with him in would be a really good example um, I'm just trying to think of other composers that are like I worship, but uh, Shoji Meguro, the what does he, do? he the soundtrack for like Persona, um, Catherine, um, basically the Atlas games, like those. Games. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I love his work. He smashes it because yeah, yeah, the Persona soundtracks are just amazing. Like the the Velvet Room theme, mm. love it. The um, oh, the I can't remember the name of the piece of music now, but it's from Persona Four. It's the one that goes. Duh, duh. No, that's Undertale. Hang on. I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's. That one. Come on, you know it. You got it from that. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. Oh, what, which which one you're talking about? Because I I know that I know the Persona soundtrack pretty well. Or at least I like the four one. I know really well because I I listen to that on repeat for most of my university. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Same. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's done some amazing soundtracks. Um, there's Russell Brower as well, which is the guy that did, he was effectively the, um, the composer for all of Blizzard's games, but he mm. worked on Diablo, Hearthstone, Starcraft, World of Warcraft. Um, I don't think he worked on Overwatch though. And I think he mm. did some stuff for Arena of Valor as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but so there was this, um, one, one time I was sitting in the canteen, um, at lunch and it was quite quiet, like the office was quite empty. And this was at Blizzard in, in Versailles. And I was just sitting, like eating my food or whatever. And I just looked to my left, and there's this guy, like, I mean, he's quite a big present guy, like, he's quite a large dude. Um, mm. And he's got, like, really long, like, curly hair, like, kind of gray, gingery hair, mm -hmm. uh, and big glasses. And that could describe a lot of the people that work at Blizzard. So this guy just starts talking to me, and we're just having a chat. And I had no idea who I was talking to. And he started telling me about what he did. And I was like, Oh, you work on the music? That's really interesting. Like, I mean, I'm a, at the time I was in marketing, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm in digital marketing." Um, and he said, "Oh, yeah, what's your favorite piece of music?" And I, I said, "Like, um, I was talking about. I, I really went off about this one piece, and I, I was saying, oh, it's written by Russell Brown, blah blah blah.'" And he was like, "Oh, that's me." I was like, "Shut up!" Wow! <laughs> Immediately, like my whole thing just changed. so I ran upstairs, got my game box that I had on my desk, got him to sign it. Um, and I remember that I made a complete fool of myself because I brought the box down and I said, you know, can you sign this? And he's like, the plastic's on. And I was like, yeah, I want to leave the plastic on so it retains its value. And he says, yeah, but the, with the plastic on, if I sign it, it's just going to peel off. Yeah. He signs it and literally on the way back upstairs, the plastic peeled off. So I had to bring it back down again with the thing off. And I was like, you're right. Could you sign it again, please? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I got oh, to fuck. sit and talk with him. That was one of the coolest parts about working at Blizzard was getting to meet those people. Mm. Um, so that was nice, um, but yeah. Awesome. So, so yeah, I would say I would say Final Fantasy would be mine. Final Fantasy Eight. Mm. I want to give another shout out to composers. I want to give yeah, another sure. shout out to um, Darren Corb. Uh, the he's the um, composer for Supergiant. So you know games like Bastion, Transistor, yep. Hades, Pyre, um, all incredible soundtracks. And yeah, just wanted to say like since we're talking about great composers, like yeah. Definitely look at his, um, so he did Bastion. Wait, no, he's credited weirdly on Wikipedia. Oh, Transistor mm. as well. I forgot about that game. Yeah, Transistor, yeah. Great Amazing soundtrack. Game. Very, very good. Yeah. Um, Hades, of course, like you said. Pyre, I didn't think much to Pyre. The music was good, but they didn't like the game. Mm. Uh, and Bastion was just... That, that game, when that game came out, oh, changed the indie. industry for me. That was yeah, in, Indie Darling, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That was the one where it was like, oh, indie games can be cool. <laughs> mm, mm. 
Uh, right. But yeah, so I, I mean, I guess we could talk all day about like worshiping composers and whatnot. Probably, yeah. Um, and I think so. I mean, the next point was Grant Kirkhope and his legacy of music. Um, we've talked quite a bit about him and and how he's kind of impacted the industry. Um, what I want to talk about more though is that how he's now come back into the industry because I think he did he did take like a break from doing everything, mm. and he popped up on uh, Twitter quite a few years ago now, and he was talking to a guy called uh, David Soliani who is hmm. the developer for uh, Mario Rabbids. Ah, oh, right, yeah. So do you remember when they announced that game? Yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah I remember announcing it and going, no one wants this game. Like, this looks terrible. Like, everyone hates the Rabbids. What the hell are they doing with the Mario franchise? Like, what is this? This is awful. This is mm. terrible. And then the, then I saw, like, Grant Kirkhope was on the soundtrack. And yeah, I was like, he was on the soundtrack, right? Yeah, but yeah. even then I was like, oh, what's happening? Like, it sort of felt to me like, uh, you know, as people go through their time in the industry... They make great moves and they make pretty terrible moves. And I was looking at that and going, this, this is going to be like, it's going to suck. Like this is going to be the, and I was so judgmental of this game before I knew what it was. I even mm. saw the gameplay and I was like, nah, we don't need a, like Mario XCOM. No, no one wants yeah. I fell in love with that game so hard it's... and so quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have you yeah, played it? It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great game. Yeah. It's so fantastic. And who knew that like that genre mix like of, you know, literally Mario and XCOM was going to be mm. the one that kind of got everyone to like the rabbits again. Yeah, because the, the... such a weird idea. Yeah, like, yeah. And and you know, seeing Kurt Cope and Soliani on Twitter, kind of having these back and forths, was really cute. Because because if you remember, uh, Soliani quite famously cried at the award ceremony when he was um, when he was mentioned on stage. I think it was by the head of Nintendo or something mentioned his name. Oh really? Yeah. I, and there's, I, I, there's this video yeah. of him just crying, and it's like. Oh. David, come here. Like, you want to hug him. Yeah, um, yeah. And then just watching them have the back and forth on Twitter was, was really cool. And it, it sort of reminded me, because obviously I was I was quite heavily into, um, you know, the business side of gaming by this point, because I'd progressed my career at Blizzard. Um, I'd sort of forgotten that games could just be endearing and yeah. lovely, and the people working on them were lovely. And it was nice to be, kind of feel like a 15-year-old again and go back to that point oh. of just seeing these people just engage their passions and and it's why I kind of call out Kirk Hope as one of the, um, I mean, there's obviously a connection on a personal level as well because he grew up in the same town as me or just just up the road, um, mm. and just knowing that these people that grew up so close by have gone out and had this global impact has been the inspiration to to push me through the games industry as well. I think, yeah. well, if they can do it, like, what's stopping me? I mean, okay, they've got <laughs> talent, and I don't, but that's fine. I don't need talent. I can be in marketing. Woo! And then you out and be a marketer, and that's how you do it. But it was, it was, it was, it was Grant and um, David Wise uh, that kind of encouraged me to to pursue that career mm. and to like really follow my dream and and sort of do the thing that I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm so glad that those people did what they did in the '90s and the noughties and now. Because it keeps showing people that you can go out there and you know have this global impact, but also grow up in a small Fresno little town, like yeah. in a place that a lot of people don't leave, or you know they they could have very easily stayed there and not done anything, but they went out and smashed it. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know if you've got any kind of similar things along those lines. Of like, like inspiring, yeah, like who who you've been inspired by? Oh well, I mean, I I think for me it's more like I guess specific games rather than like people i guess i mean like i guess it's more like the you know like the dev teams behind things like i i am very much a uh i get always get inspired whenever i hear like indie stories of like you know these small teams of developers and small teams of like you know like just devs making these games that become massive and you, know, you play them and you can obviously see like all the amount like love and attention they put into their game and their product and they really care you know like celeste is the example i always use um, oh, do you remember unravel yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> did you, did you yeah. see when that guy announced that on stage? <laughs> no, <laughs> what happened? So obviously it was a, an indie game that was bought by EA. Um, yeah. Very similar in, in the way that No Man's Sky was this small thing that was suddenly bought by Sony and then made into a massive thing. Yes, yeah. So Unravel was bought by EA and then they pushed this this little Swedish developer out on stage who was, honest to God, the most salt of the earth friendliest loveliest guy you'll ever see on stage and he 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 was i mean he was crying and over emotional and stuff while he was just saying i'm just so happy that you get to meet yanni my little string <laughs> thing that i made and like you can see he was just happy that people just wanted to play his game ea were like yes give us your blood but yeah <laughs> but he was like just enjoy my game please and it was watching this little tiny dude 
surrounded by all this glitz and glamour and just be completely dwarfed by it all, but yet he was still the thing that stood out. Yeah. Because of his exactly. personality and his, his, like, his passion. And I love seeing that in the industry. I hate when you see these, like... I mean, E3 Cringe is a really good example where you see these, like, um, executives and directors walk out on stage with the suits on but the the shirts unbuttoned at the top and they're not wearing a tie and they don't know what to do with their hands and they're just throwing buzzwords out yeah and when you put these like super passionate developers alongside those people it really does show that they're the people that you want in the industry not these greed-mongering assholes which yeah definitely <laughs> but yeah so so uh, sorry to interrupt i kind of went off on one there about uh yanni but you you were you were talking about um pretty lost my plot now <laughs> <laughs> oh no dude it's cool we were just talking about like yeah like it's inspirations yeah inspiration like, you know, the industry and stuff like that but yeah like um i guess from a young age it's just yeah i guess it's just video games in general like which is a fascination of of games and i guess like you know then you know growing up with like an n64 and playing like mm. you know perfect dark and golden eye and uh all these rare games i guess like you know like it was kind of the thing that really inspired me into joining the industry and i guess music was a big part of that right you know actually fun fact like when i was so my family's quite musical um we oh, my mom's a trumpet yeah. pardon <laughs> my mom's a trumpet my dad's a cello yeah, yeah exactly right yeah oh, okay like, cool. <laughs> no, 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 but yeah basically like everyone in my family kind of plays a musical instrument at least me and my siblings mm. um well like you know sort of learning a learn a musical instrument at a, a young age because our parents knew how to play a musical instrument as well so like and my my choice of musical instruments was heavily based off of a mini game in Mario Party. Um, where, like okay. there's like that game, there's that there's that little mini game where like you um, each character takes like an instrument and then you just it's like a really basic rhythm game. I think it's like a one v three game or something where like one person like is like the conductor and dictates something and everyone else has to like basically play the the tune out. Um, but I really like the idea of that. And I really like the idea of playing in a band with people and just, you know, obviously getting that from a video game. So, you know, like that's why I learned how to play like the drums and the violin because those are the two of the instruments in that. And I distinctly remember DK being behind the drums and remembering Luigi playing the violin. And those oh, are the characters. And those just... are the characters that me and my brother used to play because he used to play DK and I used to play Luigi. You, you've just reminded me of the DK rap. <laughs> oh, yeah, the DK rap. Oh, I mean, DK who wrote rap that? Is... Let me Google who wrote that. Legendary. That turns out to be Kirk Cope. I'm going to have words. Oh, uh, DK rap composer. I mean, that's just a legendary song as well. But yeah. Hang on. Um, Google Chrome wants me to do something. It was Grant Kirkhope. Damn it, Grant! <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this, um, I do so love the DK rap, here. but I also hate you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I guess, you know, I went to a lot of um, composers and, well, just game devs in general, right? Why I'm in the industry, why I'm now a game developer, and hoping that, you know, Maybe at some point I can leave my legacy or something. Well, it'd be cool um, to hear if, if anyone's listening, um, like their stories of what got them into either joining the industry or just getting into video games. Um, mm. If people want to send us an email at sunfiretavern at gmail.com, you can tell us your story and we can read it out on air if you don't mind. Um, yeah. We can talk about like how you guys got into the industry or got into like just video games in general, like which composers have really inspired inspired you, which developers have inspired you, or even mm. just the games themselves. It'd be really cool to hear your stories as well if you guys want to send us a mail or whatever. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, please. But I guess we could move on because we're I'm just conscious of time as well. We've got about 15 minutes left. Um, we could mm -hmm. move on to the Square Enix Presents at Expo. Did, did you have a chance to watch it? Uh, I watched a couple of... The, I didn't know that there was actually a Square Enix event that came out, but I watched some of the trailers of things that um, came out of that. So specifically the Life is Strange one. Um, which was amazing. Which, like, yeah, it looks great. Yeah, it looks really good. I'm um, really excited for that. Like, I, I need more Life is Strange. The the characters look incredible, like really well-rounded. Again, it's this whole... like You can tell it's being built by a, a group of like queer representatives. and mm. queer, queer is the right word, by the way. Okay. <laughs> it's the word that we've chosen. We're allowed to use that word. We, we, we like yeah. it to represent ourselves. I actually wasn't on board with using it initially because it used to be used as an insult when I was younger. Mm. We sort of reappropriated it, and now we're quite happy to be represented by that phrase, so it's, it's cool. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Life is Strange looks amazing. The music looks amazing. Uh, but there was quite a few other things that were announced that, but none of it was really that interesting. <laughs> mm, there was like Outriders. Um, have you like, played Outriders yet? No, I have. I've heard from friends that who played the that played the trailer. They said like it was quite fun. That it was pretty good. It's okay, yeah. but the the multiplayer aspect of it is really frustrating because it just doesn't work. 
So like we got into multiplayer and we were trying to play it together and like you keep getting teleported over the all over the place. You have to keep waiting for cutscenes and stuff, and it's quite irritating to play. And it also keeps disconnecting you constantly. So there's some problems there. But it's interesting to see what they're doing with Outriders. Like I'd, I'd be interested to see where that game is in like six months' time. Yeah. Um. But then there was also um there was Hitman Sniper Assassins, which was like it looked like a an, mobile a, like game? yeah a mobile game, but it was like an augmented reality kind of Pokemon Go style game. It looked like. Um. Okay. Which cool. I don't know if we're in the right time for for that kind of thing anymore. Like I think Pokemon Go had its time, mm. and no one had, like there's been a lot of other companies that have tried to make like clones of it, like the Harry Potter one, which was terrible, um, and a few other companies have tried to make clones of that game and just never really succeeded. It's like Minecraft Earth, right? Yeah, As which well. which has just been taken offline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean that did great. Um, mm. But yeah, then there was the Lara Croft trilogy as well. So it's the... I can't remember what they called it now. Because I remember the, the, the bit that stood out to me was they announced a Tomb Raider cookbook. <laughs> the Definitive Survivor trilogy? I think it is, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's basically all of the um, the the new... like like So Tomb Raider, uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and Rise. Rise. I think it's those yeah. three. It's not the original original Tomb Raider. Which mm. also had remasters a few years ago as well. Yeah, um, but it's cool because th- those three games are really good. Like they're good mm. games. So I would highly recommend them. They're really really fun to play. Um, but otherwise, the, the, there was that. Um, uh, I forgot the name of it now. I'm not doing very well for being prepared today. I mean, they announced <laughs> the Black Panther content for Avengers, which let's be honest, no one really cares sure. about because that yeah. game sucks. Like uh, you can actually buy Avengers now for about fifteen pounds on CD Keys websites, and I, I would say. It might be a good time to pick it up because if they do bring that game around and turn it around in a year's time, you're going to have it for cheap. But I wouldn't go out of your way to go and buy it because it is not a very good game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the Black Panther part of it is they're adding like a full expansion pack mm. and it's completely free. Um, although, whenever they say completely free, I'm always very suspicious because you always have to look what the free means. Yeah. Like, is there going to be a season pass or whatever? Is that, is that what's going to be? Um, but yeah, so that's coming out, and that looked kind of interesting. But there was this... Um, I'm really trying to think of what it was called now, because I've got a recap of the event here, but it's not got the name of it. And it was the... Um... Oh, God, what was it called? What, 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 what is it that you're trying to remember? It's the one with the woman who kind of... There's a lot of movement, and she's fighting dragons. Forspoken? Yeah, that was it, Forspoken. That's the one. Mm, yeah. um, what did you think of that? I have not seen it. I just saw the like footnotes of it on like um, a website because I haven't. I didn't actually watch the event, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. But sounds cool. I'm looking at an image of it right now, and um, it's the one where she's yeah. like standing on. It, it looks almost like the Breath of the World intro, but in a yeah, it's like she, but but with fog. Yeah, with fog, lots <laughs> of fog and spiky yeah, bits coming out the fog. Yeah, I know which image yeah. you're looking at. Uh, yeah. It used to be called Project Attila or something, wasn't it? Project Athea. Athea. Athea thank you. Yeah. God, there's there's two. There's not enough going on in the games industry right now. But even though there's not enough, I still can't remember all of it. There's still <laughs> so much put into my head. Um, but that looks interesting. Like, it it looks like what we've been kind of hoping for in an adventure game for a while. Mm. Like the, the little bit that we saw of it looks fast paced, very magical, very mystical. Like looks kind of cool. Um, but otherwise, there wasn't much else that really stood out other than Life is Strange getting a remaster. Yeah. Which I absolutely immediately bought the. Uh, uh, digital deluxe version to get the, the because <laughs> I I will play that game again remastered. Yeah, I, I loved that game, and what I specifically want to do is do the decision that leads to the other path in the mm. first game, because the path that I took. And can we do Life is Strange spoilers, or do you care? Uh, I don't. I don't mind, but I mean, if the mm. game just came out again, you know, people might be paying it. All right. So, so without spoilers, I'll say without spoilers. There's, there's a key decision that happens about a third of the way through the game. Specifically with a, a Christian girl in the school. And you can make mm. a decision that makes her do one thing or makes her do the other. And I made her do one thing, and I'd like to see what happens if she does the other. Yeah. So, do you know I what I'm it's... referring to? I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. It's I, quite I, I a dramatic want... change. Exactly. Quite a dramatic change. I want to see what happens there. Um, and I would like to revisit that game again because I just remember playing that game and just feeling very quiet. If that's mm. the right, right emotion to kind of purvey there, like I felt like stopped. 
Like it was just yeah. it was just me and the game, and obviously I was playing it with my boyfriend as well. So and and also one of the guys at work was kind of reporting back on his experience as we went through it. And mm. it, it was just this brief few weeks where it was just quiet, and I was like, I'm I'm really enjoying this. Like I feel connected to the character Max. Um, to I'm forgetting the, the uh, Chloe. Chloe. Thank you, Chloe. Felt connected to Chloe as well, and the like learning who the teacher was and and working that part out. Mm. I'd be interested to play that again as a remaster, like to see how that goes. But it's quite a new game, so I'd be interested to see what a remaster looks like for a game yeah. that only came out like six or so years ago or five years ago. Mm, for um, sure. But yeah, that that was the Square Enix presents, and I, there wasn't really much else that stood out. I don't know if there's anything that you took from it that because I don't think you've watched the whole thing, have you? No, I just I just Life is Strange, like the new Life is Strange looks great. Yeah, I'm really, really oh. have really looking forward to playing that with friends. So yeah, there was Balan Wonderworld as well. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> what are you doing, Square Enix? Why? <laughs> I don't know. So apparently, people's kids really like this game, but I look at that, and that to me is just it's it's distilled marketing. Like it, everything is an idol that you can buy, everything looks like an action figure or a character that you can purchase, and it's just so janky and weirdly put together. It's like mm. they took all the good parts of Sega Knights and forgot them and just built a game on the bad parts. Yeah, because it's it's very inspired by Sega Knights. In fact, a lot of the sound effects and some of the music is ripped straight from the the uh, the Sega Knights kind of universe. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so referring back to the question from earlier about soundtracks I would recommend I want to throw in Sega Nights okay. um, specifically Sega Nights and Christmas Nights because I don't know if you if you knew this but um, this this game so it was one of the very few games at the time that had a really big secret hidden inside it and it was if you played it on Christmas Day the entire game would transform into like a Christmas mode the entire oh, really? soundtrack would change to a Christmas soundtrack the, the, there'd be like a whole different game to play Oh and wow! It was like a whole extra game, so they ended up releasing it separately as a as like a standalone. As a you could only get it on the on the cover disc of Sega Saturn magazine, and mm. it got to the point where we were like hunting around the Neaton to to find this magazine, and it became because <laughs> like, we only had one friend who had a Sega Saturn, so we were all like working to get him this game because we wanted to play it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I would say Sega Nights is another one that that stands out to me. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I remember some of the some of the songs from that game, but yeah, like not. I did not know about the Christmas thing. That's very cool. It's, it's super cool. Like you should check it out. Actually. There's probably like a YouTube video you can watch of how it transforms, and like yeah. the, the storyline changes as well because it goes from being um, about the two kids that fall asleep and wake up in the dream world where Knights is guiding through the dream world to mm. two, two kids fulfilling their Christmas wishes. Yeah, and it's the twelve days of Christmas. Effectively, is what they're doing. And wow, it's, it's beautiful. Like it's it, and the the pieces of music that come with it. Like so, there's a piece of music called Dreams Dreams, um, mm. which has got a standard version and then a Christmas version, and it's it's just beautiful. It uses silence really well in the music. So like there's moments where there's no music at all, and it's just so perfectly done. It's masterful. It's so good. Mm. Um, but we could talk for hours about that kind of stuff. But we are running out of time. So did you have any trivia prepared for me, Ollie? I did. Okay. I do have trivia prepared for you? Okay. okay. Are you ready? Go on. We're going to play it. We're going to play a, a small game, Clark. I'm gonna. I've, I have produced a list of some video games, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to tell you two video game names, and you got to tell me which one is real, which one is fake. Oh, this sounds cool. Okay. But these yeah. are going to be wacky titles like Jippy Jops, Bango Jank Adventure, I mean, and whatever. I, I mean, you'll find out. Okay. So, are you ready? Let's let's start. Let's start with uh, let's start let's start with an easy one. Okay, uh, an easy one. So, here are your two video game names. Video game A, Dead Plan. Video game B, Stealth Bastard. Which is the real Stealth Bastard. Game. Yes. I know that one Stealth exists. Bastard, I've seen yeah, that game. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's an indie game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, I, t- I said, we start, start yeah, this easy. This is good. I like okay? this game. Let's go. All right. Question two. All right. We've got Daymare 1998 and Horrorcraft 2. Which is the real video game? They both sound ridiculous. They're both made up. Um, <laughs> Daymare is the real one. Daymare is indeed the real video game that came, it actually only... came out recently, I think. So the only I reason I'm saying it. that is because I'm I'm looking at your pattern of yes/no answers. And okay. The first one, okay. the answer was the B answer, and so the second one was going to be the A answer. I had no idea whether that game existed or not. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Don't but worry, that, I'm that, gonna, that there'll, be some curve, there'll be some curveballs. There'll yep. be some curveballs. But that pattern only ever works for questions one and two in anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now let's go to a different, a, a, a generic one. We've got Strike Force 2, Terrorist Hunt, or 
Urban Warfare 4. I want the first one to be real. Uh, Urban Warfare 4 sounds like, like a, one of those Desert Strike sequels. Mm. I'm going to say the first one again. The first one is indeed correct. Yeah, it's correct. It, you, this game came out like this year. Or okay. like last year. All right. okay. I am so surprised that people are still... What, what was the game again? Say like, the game title. Strike Force 2 Terrorist Hunt. Like okay, the most generic... The most generic sounding video game. It sort of reminds me of Two Crude Dudes. Did you ever play that? Yeah. <laughs> two crude. President wants to hunt terrorists and you've been chosen because you're two crude dudes. Do you accept yeah. the challenge? Go, dudes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Got a new one. All right. We've got Run Ran Roo 2 or Iggy's Wrecking Balls. Iggy's Wrecking Balls. All right, you know, I, I, know thought, I thought you knew that one. I, did, I thought one. you knew that one. Yeah, what a game, man! What a, what a fantastic game! All right, we're taking, we're going, we're going, we're taking the tone down a little bit. All right, we've if got I, I, yeah, just Iggy's Wrecking Balls. Was it the one I want to say N sixty four? Yeah, that's sixty four game. Yeah, and it's got like a lizard on the box. Like yeah, it, yeah, it's got a lizard on the front. I remember picking it up and being like, "What yeah, the it, hell is this game?" I, I remember but, picking it up at a shop and being like, "I don't think anyone would even steal this." <laughs> I mean, it was a great game. I remember playing it with my cousins like a lot. It was pretty fun okay. actually. All right, but yeah, all right. Here we go. We're taking the tone down a little bit. Here are two game names. We've got Master Beta and the Fishing Fortune, and your other choice is Touch Dick. <laughs> This just sounds like my Saturday night. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Touch Dick because that sounds like a DS game. It is actually a DS game. <laughs> <laughs> Touch, it's, it's spelled D-I-C. Yep, 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 guess, yep. guess what it actually is. Uh, is, it a, is it a kid's game? No, it is not a kid's game. Is it a, not a porn game, is it? No, 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 no. Uh, is it short for like... What could Dick be short for? DIC is it? DIC? Yeah, DIC. Like yeah. Dictionary, like a like a yeah. crosswordy type game or something. Yeah, it's a dic- it's a Korean dictionary. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just called Touch Dick. Touch you should dick. look up the look up the 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 um, box art. I'm sure it'd be great yes. for memes. Clark, go ahead and Google Touch Dick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. That, that I mean, yeah, like you said, it just sounds like your Saturday night. So. You know. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> just kidding. No, no, right, there's no joke there. That's that's yeah. yeah that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next next game, Mario's Cement Factory, or Mario Teaches Accounting. It's Mario's Cement Factory because Teaches Accounting was a meme. Oh, God damn it. You you are dealing with like the. I mean, I grew up with memes. I was there. God. I was there when they were written. Yeah, I, I I just saw that Mario's Cement Factory was a real game. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. But you can't quote the old magics to me because I was literally there when they were written. Like I remember yeah. when memes became a thing. But go on, keep going, go nuts. Alright. I like this go. game. This is a good one. Yeah, we've got Fated Battle, Global Disorderment, or Undernight in Birth EXE Late. Hmm, that's a difficult one. They both sound stupid. Uh the second one sounds like the dot hack series. Because they've got really unusual names like that. So I'm probably gonna say the second one, but I might be wrong. Undernight in Birth is a game. Yes. It is. I was it's, right. It's it's a fight game. Okay. Yeah. It's a great one. Very good one. Okay. Okay. We've got three left. I All think. Right. I'm doing. I'm okay. I'm 100 so far. Yeah, you're 100. Yeah, yeah, you're 100. All right. Okay. We've got Shower with Your Dad Simulator 2015. That, one. that one's real. Do you still, I know that's real. Do you still shower with your dad or Blockstorm? It's it's the shower with your dad one because I know that's real. And if it's not real, someone's made a parody of it because I've definitely seen it online. They're both real. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating. I, I actually came up with the I came up with the second name. I was like, all right, we're at what's two words, Blockstorm. And I Googled it. It's like, oh, that's actually still a video game. <laughs> I was like, God. <laughs> all right, here we go. We've got next next up, we've got Always Wanting to Be Cooking with You. And another and the other one is called Ninja Bread Man. Ninja Bread Man, maybe? Ninja Bread Man is a real video game. Yes! <laughs> I'm getting these uh, really fast as well, so I'm clearly not Googling yeah. them. And I'm, I'm, I'm not Googling, yeah. by the way. I'm not, I'm not searching these games. Your final one. Why not? Private Parts and Tongue of the Fat Man. Hmm. I want them both to be real, but equally I don't want either of them to be real. Yeah, right. I'm going to say Private Parts. 
Oh, so close, Clark. So oh. Tongue of the Fat it Man is a real video. It's always Tongue of the Fat Man, isn't it? Like, that's always, always the way. The always the way. That's um, it. That was a great game. Well done. And, and uh, a really good way to kind of bring us to the end of the podcast as well for this week. Yeah, if um, I'd be a lighthearted way. Yeah. Just, and also, just if you want to have some fun, just Google like worst video game names. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of them. Oh, I mean, you can them. also look at weird brands as well. Like living in France, you really did get to see some terrible things. Like there's this brand yeah. of lemonade out there called Pichette. Uh, <laughs> the advert is literally just someone going, mm, shit, je t'aime. Je t'aime, yeah. shit. And it's like, you're just saying, I like shit, is what you're saying. Um, and then there was Baff, which was this popcorn. And Baff is a slang term for um, ejaculate, effectively. Um, mm-hmm. And the advert was, take a handful of Baff in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Baff. Um, oh, no. But yeah, I guess that brings oh, us to no. the end. So if you can do, uh, you can close us up if you want, Ollie. Yeah, I'll close us up, you know, with uh, Master Beta and the fishing. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Sunfire Tavern. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sunfire Tavern. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And please email us with your stories and questions uh, at, sunfire, um, at sunfiretavern at gmail.com. And yeah, tell us about your favorite video games growing up, like, you know, soundtracks, favorite composers. Or just general questions, or yeah, just stories you have about video games, like old movies. Like, love to hear, hear from you guys. Um, and yeah, you got anything else to close out with, Clark? Uh, no, just have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next week on the Sunfire Tavern. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.